Trading futures carries a high degree of risk and may not be suitable for all investors. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Hello and welcome to Behind the Screens. I'm your host, Ian Blanke, and on today's episode, we have a fantastic interview with Jared Tendler. Uh, some of you probably already recognize the name. Jared is the author of The Mental Game of Trading. He also wrote The Mental Game of Poker, Parts 1 and 2. Um, Jared's coached poker players, institutional and independent traders, BGA players, uh, professional gamers. Um, he's worked a lot with people on various performance psychology, and I really think you're going to enjoy this interview. We get into all sorts of topics. It's almost too much to fit into one podcast. As always, if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at edgeclear.com. Go ahead and fill out a contact form or just contact me directly, and we'd love to have you on board. Without further ado, here's Jared. All right. It is my pleasure to welcome on Jared Tendler. Uh, you've probably already seen his name floating about if you're a listener of this podcast and certainly a trader. Um, his book, The Mental Game of Trading, it's out now. You can find it. I'll put a link in the podcast description when this comes out. Super popular. Um, I'm about three quarters of the way through myself, and it's an awesome book. I cannot recommend it enough. Also authored The Mental Game of Poker, uh, parts one and two. And Jared, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Good to be here. Good to talk to you. Of course. So before I start hitting you with the hard questions, um, are you psychoanalyzing me right now? I am actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I sense some, uh, some fear in you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel as relaxed as can be. I'm actually recording this in Morad's office. So, you know, it's very oh, zen in so here. You can mess around with his stuff. That's great. Exactly. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like a question that I get, and I want to start off, I feel like it's probably a little broad, but why, why should I map my emotions in the first place? I mean, why don't I just bury my emotions to where I feel like they're not even there? Uh, because it's pretty risky. I think it's, it's, you know, the kind of the closest you'll get to gambling with your mental game in a sense. Um, you know, there's a lot of traders who have been able to survive not doing the work that I'm suggesting doing, but there's also a graveyard of traders who haven't been able to make it. So, you know, it's a, it's a, effectively like an insurance policy on your career to actually unearth the underlying reasons for why these emotions are there. It's not overly complicated. I think just the ethos in the trading sphere, frankly, even in sports psychology for years has been to just put this stuff away and we can kind of lock it up and not have to deal with it. But what we're realizing now is that, uh, you know, there, it's kind of like, you know, computer programs running in the background in, on your desktop, just like sucking up resources. You know, if you get, affected by the market, some, some, you know, anger gets triggered, uh, you know, yeah, you can put it away and maybe still effectively trade well. Uh, but as the, the, the day goes on, you know, your ability to maintain that and not force a trade, you know, maybe, uh, uh double up on one, uh, stick with one too long. Uh, you know, there's a lot of mistakes that you'll end up making as a result of it. And yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I get why a lot of traders are, are wanting to just put this stuff away. It would be, it would be easy to just do that. I mean, frankly, I would like to not have to have right. this, this as a job, um, but it's a reality where human beings, emotions affect decision-making. And if you're not aware of the way that your emotions are affecting your decision-making, then you're basically gambling and you're, uh, you're going to blow up in some way, shape or form, big or small. Yeah. I, I can't say it enough. I mean, even just taking the approach of the mental game, right? Because 
Uh, for me, I'm competition, like hardcore competitor. Sports has always been a big part of my life. And thinking of you know your psychology and everything, making that the mental game of trading actually helped change my perspective on how I look at my you know, everyday emotions, what I'm going through, you know, I don't do a ton of active trading myself anymore, but it forced me to think back on that and say, well, wait a minute, I can improve this just like I can improve my golf swing or whatever else. Um, if, if I put the work into it and start tracking these. So I think that's a great point. It's huge. At some point, if you don't start to recognize what's going on, then, then you are probably liable for a blow up. There's a ton of stuff that people I talk to day in and day out. I feel it buried deep, deep down. And one day just takes one bad day to see it all come to fruition. And, and I have, I, you know, I see it as the broker on my end. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, you, you, you uh, quit the, uh, the tip line there with, uh, with people calling and asking for help there. I mean, I, I think, you know, you make a great point, right? That, that there, there was this idea that it wasn't a skill, right? You couldn't develop competency in being able to deal with your emotions. You know, it was sort of like you either kind of had that skill or you didn't. And if you didn't, then you were, you know, good luck. Um, and, and, you know, denying and putting it away, like that is actually a good strategy. If you don't know how to deal with your emotions, that is a, that is a wise thing to do. It's, it's like kind of your best chance of survival. But it's just difficult to really sustain that long term. Um, and yeah, if you, you kind of change your perspective and say, yeah, okay, if I actually start to look more closely and, you know, the, the easiest thing that anybody listening can do is just focus on your mistakes, right? You're all good enough traders. You know where you tend to make mistakes. Is it jumping in too early? Is it staying in too late? Is it moving your profit target, moving your stop loss, right? Whatever it is, put a big spotlight on those mistakes and especially the recurring ones that happen again and again and again, despite your, you know, knowledge not to do that. You keep doing it, right? It's because there's some hidden emotion that is compelling you and kind of forcing your hand there to make those mistakes. So start doing some some kind of a an analysis for yourself. Think, of, look at the the thoughts that come to mind, the situations where it's occurring. Start to just map those situations, and and it's really not unlike, you know, what you do as traders, right? You know, you have, you know, a good ability to see the indicators that tell you when there's opportunity, right? And, and so all I'm saying is. Let's look at your own, uh, you know, kind of patterns with the ways that your emotions come out, with the ways that you make these mistakes, and let's look for the opportunities to catch them before they happen, right? It's not enough to recognize the mistake after the fact. And it's the same thing as recognizing an opportunity after the fact. The, the opportunity is gone, right? You, so, but, but, but you can take those mistakes and say, ah, okay, what can I learn from it and how can I identify it before it happens? And, you know... A lot of traders I work with, right, they sucked at this at the beginning. It was very difficult for them to see some of the details uh, that I was able to help them see, right? And the book walks you through that process and gives you a lot of details, a lot of what traders go through, whether it's greed or tilt or fear, confidence issues, discipline issues, you know, and, and allows you to spot the warning signs that you're about to do something dumb before it happens. Yeah, I think it's huge. I think traders actually kind of have a, a unique advantage too, where you can take that time during the trading day to take a couple of minutes. I mean, if you are playing, you know, whatever, if you're playing competitive round of golf, or if you're playing a game of poker, I'm just kind of relaying things that I know that, you know, you've worked with, um, you know, for some of that, like you have to show up, you have no option. Like, you know, if you're signed up to play in a poker tournament where you stand to make a huge source of your income, 
there's not really a sitting that out. Even if you are playing, you talk about A game, B game, C game, even if you feel like you're about to play a C game and you're just in a bad headspace, you can't really bow out with trading at least. You know, if I'm on a, playing a C game, if I wake up and I have a, a crappy day and it's just a bad start, I probably have the option to either say, hey, I'm going to take it slow this morning or maybe just sit out and just think it through. What led to my bad morning? Did I not follow my normal routine? What happened that put me in this state before I even started the day? Yeah, it is a luxury for sure. And especially, you know, traders who are swing traders. I mean, if you're a scalper, it's a, it's obviously a little bit harder, but you still can, as you said, you know, take the option to, to just not trade and, you know, poker trading, um, you know, golf. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, let's look at like Simone Biles, right? I mean, yeah. you know, some of the Olympians, I mean, you know, you get to this place where you've worked so hard and all of a sudden you're in a spot where you're your mind is compromised. I mean, imagine if, you know, she had the luxury of, you know, waiting until she got herself stabilized and could still then go compete for the gold medal. Right. Um, you know, you guys all, you know, you have that, that opportunity. And I think, you know, it, it takes, you know, the, the awareness, right. Number one, number two, I think sometimes traders are too attached to the idea that trading is like a normal job, right? It's like, I'm a trader markets open. I, ne I need to be there versus treating yourself more like an athlete that has options for when you can compete, right? You get to decide when, that competition occurs, which is basically just your point. But, you know, if you look at the the amount of money that you make when you're on your A game versus the amount of money that you either make or lose when you're in your C game, then it ought to be an easy thing to make that kind of calculation and say, if I'm in that space, I should not trade regardless of whether the market's open or not, because I'm, I'm dead money or yeah. at least neutral, in which case, in which case you know, <laughs> what, what's the point? You're just spinning in circles. So, you know, yes, you have that opportunity. But it takes some some time to actually be able to to map out those differences, so you can make that that determination more accurately accurately versus just waking up and saying, you know, the heck with it. Because I know many of you are going to want to say, like, I, I don't want to be lazy, right? And it's sometimes it's easy to, you know, say I, I don't really have it today, and and you know, not give it a, a try. Uh, one of my favorite examples comes from baseball, uh, a perfect game thrown by Mark Burley back in I want to say it's like. 10, 15 years ago, um, he was asked how he felt in the bullpen before, you know, it's like classic question. Like, did you, did you sense a perfect game was out there today? He's like, yeah. heck no. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I was struggling just to get over the plate. Right. And, and so it's like, so sometimes you don't want to, you know, kind of take yourself out of an opportunity, right. Where that could be your day where, you know, things just click, you know, but if you have a really good understanding of what it's like when you're, when you're at your best at your worst and somewhere in between, then at a minimum, you could just say maybe, all right, well, I'll, let me trade the first half hour of the day and see if I can kind of get my proverbial shit together. And if not, then I'm out, right? But at least you kind of minimize your risk from a from an execution standpoint. Definitely. And I think there are probably those people, myself included, who, who may need that level of competition to sort of get them in the zone and wake them up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I play my best whenever I'm in some sort of athletic event, usually when I make a stupid mistake or, or get beat up a little bit, and then it sort of snaps me too and gets me in the right headspace to get going again. Um, but of course, all of that comes with the proper preparation before and understanding my own emotions going into to competition like that. And trading is a whole different side of that. I won't dive too much into my trading performance <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> um, 
is there kind of a leader? So you touch on some topics in the book, um, you know, fear, greed, tilt. Uh, is there something in the traders you've worked with or since the book has come out that you seem to get asked about most commonly or that pops up the most commonly? So I, I think fear is the one that traders typically think they're struggling with, but actually aren't. Confidence is the one that many of them struggle with, but don't know that they are. Interesting. Uh, tilt is the one that for retail, you know, kind of individual traders, um, they recognize a lot more than the institutional, you know, uh, prop firm traders uh, will recognize, right? Because a lot of times like the, the situation, like, especially if you're on like a call with, you know, seven other guys in your team or, uh, you know, on a, uh, just, you know, open mic, right? You're, you're just not going to tilt. You're not going to get angry. You're not going to let that happen office environments, trading desk environments, like they just don't allow for that, you know, kind of blow up style to occur. I mean, you're just going to get, uh, you know, kind of pelted for, for being such a donkey. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, you know, then greed is sort of the thing that again, um, is kind of like fear. I think it's overestimated in terms of its prevalence. Um, so yeah, I'd say that's kind of like the landscape and, and looking at discipline too. Discipline's the one that every trader thinks they have as a problem but don't realize that, you know, a lot of times it's actually one of those four emotions that's kind of compelling them f to violate their, their rules or their, their strategy. So it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, I think if I were to say uh, across the board, um, you know, dealing with some, some degree of confidence issues is really common among the retail, you know, kind of individual traders. And a lot of that has to do with just their isolation. It's not necessarily like deep seated confidence issues, you know, that goes back to childhood and, you know, uh, stuff like that. We're talking about just like performance stuff, right? When you're, when you're isolated, you don't really have a lot of feedback. You know, the, the institutional uh, prop firm type, type traders, the ones that are around trading groups and whatnot, they get feedback a lot, right? And that, and that feedback really helps to inform your own kind of perception of your competency, especially in, you know, markets that may not be right for you and, uh, you know, your strategy. And, you know, you just get into some drawdown periods and difficult times, like, you're, you're kind of, you have to be like your own coach in that moment. And, and to sustain your confidence through periods like that is, is really tough just because the nature of the false feedback that you're getting. Um, so yeah, I think confidence is one of those things that, you know, more traders need to be aware of, especially the, the retail individual ones as a thing to not treat as like a, like a, a, like a part of their character. Right? It has nothing to do with that. Right. When we're looking at confidence, confidence is simply your perception of your skill, right? That's it. And sometimes that perception is is inflated, right? You think you're better than you are. And sometimes it's a little deflated. You think you're worse than you actually are. And so we're just kind of look to converge on this, this, you know, idea of what you're actually capable of as and make it as accurate as possible. It's never going to be perfect, right? That that just isn't possible. But if you can get really close, your trading is going to be, you know, more accurate, right? You're going to be better. Right? You're going to, you know, not back off of trades that are actually bigger than you think, or you're not going <laughs> to position things that are bit too big than uh, that aren't, aren't really there. Yeah. Yeah. That is an interesting point. I mean, I feel like a lot of guests I've had on this show come from some sort of professional, whether it's on the floor or proprietary environment and that feedback loop that they get from their, just their environment being that this is their job and the way they make an income. And those types of blowups aren't really accepted at all, like you said, and it is tough being on the retail side. Um, you know, you talk to a lot of people who are in online rooms and things like that. And I think that can be both a good thing and a bad thing, depending on <laughs> how you look at it and Agreed. how you use it. Right. But, um, you know, you can certainly go out there hunting for confirmation bias and then put yourself in a worse spot. But at the same time, 
there are some places out there that I think are provide helpful resources and feedback. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's like another layer of the variance, right? In, in trading is like, you know, how well are you able to find the right resources? I think that's, you know, as an ind- independent trader, you know, looking for the right people. I mean, I've, I've talked to a lot of traders who, you know, had to kind of, you know, get past the snake oil stuff and work through, you know, styles that were too, too much based on like a, a individual trader's style and just didn't really work for them, but they learned something. And so, you know, I think you kind of work your way through and find something that eventually, you know, fits you. But then once it, once you, once you do that, right, do you have the ability to continue, continue to, to adapt and, and grow with the market? And, you know, that, that's a challenge. I mean, it's, 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 uh, you know, when, when you're isolated on your own, um, you know, finding some people that you can talk to and trust who are high quality is, I think, a, a priority, even if nothing else, it's to, you know, kind of keep the energy there. I mean, it's, it's more, more rare, the ones that are, you know, that are, you know, really motivated by being isolated. Most people are, are somewhat social and, and having just even a chance to just talk and brainstorm, right? Even if nothing, even if just they're, they're a sounding board, right? That, that can be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So kind of in the vein of some of those different things, um, do you feel that, you know, maybe being isolated, whatever, you feel like you're going on tilt a lot. Do you feel that when someone is on tilt or knows they're on tilt, there's any benefit to potentially pressing your strategy further? Um, I guess maybe a good comparison would be like in poker, uh, if you've lost three hands in a row, but you've played exactly as you normally would, is there a benefit to pressing even harder on that next hand or that next trade in your opinion? I, mean, I, I think that's a strategic decision. I mean, if you're yeah. on, you know, I guess the way, well, the way that I would de- kind of define tilt is that you're angry and you're making mistakes. Mm-hmm. So you can be angry, you can be fearful. Uh, you know, you can be greedy, you, you can have the emotions behind you and then have that be fueling, you know, you at your best, right? You said it, right? You make some mistakes, you get pissed at yourself, that focuses you and gets you to play great. That's like kind of Jordan-esque, you know, maybe it's a bit of a stretch to compare to Jordan, but <laughs> I, I went there. Just a bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but, but the, you know, some athletes, right, they, they thrive on that kind of, uh, kind of energy. Some, you know, thrive when, you know, it's, it feels like it's life or death, right? And that kind of intense pressure gets them to be at their best. So we're all kind of looking for what is the right mixture? What is the right emotional state that's going to get you to be at your best? Now, I tend to think that on average, it's a lot more uh, sustainable and controllable to have your emotions be kind of more free of that negative emotion and more based off of just like your pure drive to, to win, to make money, to be great, whatever it is. Um, but that's kind of aspirationally. Wherever you're at right now, that's where you're at. So if you're angry and you're making mistakes, then pressing is probably not you know, going to do you right. I mean, you're probably pressing in the wrong way and maybe you get lucky and, uh, you know, make back what you've lost, uh, maybe then some. But, you know, on average, right, that's not going to happen over time because if it would, then whatever decisions you're making should be a part of your strategy in its own right. So, yeah, I mean, it, I think we have to look, you know, more pragmatically at like, you know, what, what is your actual strategy? And, and if you are extending that in spots where you ought not to, then, then it's a mistake. Are you, if you're pressing in spots where you ought not to, I think it's a mistake. Um, if you're pressing because you've lost and you think that the odds are somehow now going to tip in your favor, I mean, then you're dealing with a, just a flat out bias, right? That the, you know, the odds and probabilities change, mm-hmm. right? Because you've lost recently that that's, I think it was like the, um, uh, the gambler's fallacy. Yep. Uh, so, you know, 
uh, yeah, it's just, just a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. So another one that I, I run into a lot anyway, and I'm sure you do too, is um, kind of a loss aversion or fear of losing. Is there any like one simple step that you have people obviously start tracking what makes you feel that way? Because it's probably, it probably isn't what you think. You mentioned confidence or lack thereof earlier. Um, is there one thing that you say to people to start out doing who maybe do have that huge just loss aversion, fear of losing their on their trades, whatever it may be. I, I think a common one is is like kind of the fear of the pain of losing. Yeah. Um, and so if there's a simple one, I would say um, to to try to get tougher. Right. Think of yourself like a boxer um, in the ring, learning to take a punch. I mean, it's gonna hurt. It, 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 there's no way around it, right? Your goals are on the line. Your dreams are on the line. Your freaking money is on the line. If you lose it, it will hurt. So let's not, let's not shy away from what, what we're kind of the, the ring that we're entering and, you know, develop like some toughness. And this is not just exclusive to traders. I work with golfers, you know, work with the, with poker players who deal with the exact same stuff. Like this is challenging. You're trying to compete at a very, a very high level not everyone succeeds and as it should be right so so yeah i think learning just to be a little bit tougher is is like the i think the the most common simple way to to get better at this but then if that doesn't kind of get you over the hurdle right sometimes you have to look more pragmatically at your skill set right sometimes the the you know the the loss aversion is is real right because you're actually not as good as you think right sometimes this loss aversion you know it kind of happens after overconfidence right you you uh, maybe had a, a successful month, you start to feel like you've got it. You start to feel like, you know, you're turning a corner and then all of a sudden, um, you know, it, it, you want to kind of lock up, uh, you know, the gains that you've made in your account. And, you know, that's a very defensive position to be in, you know, think Atlanta Falcons versus the Patriots when they're up 20, 28 <laughs> uh, to three. No, my girlfriend's from Boston. I don't want to relive this. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, no, that's, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I, I think too, like, you know, I, I feel like I come across a lot of people who maybe do get into that zone for a long period of time where they really feel on it and they've grown their account over whatever, a course of a month or more. And they've put so much work into it that they have one day where maybe they are feeling burned out or whatever it is after this, you know, kind of ecstatic period where they're really in the zone and they give up a ton of their gains. And then they go into that loss aversion mentality where it's like, well, hey, I put a month's worth of work in to get my PL, you know, double my account, whatever it is. And then I took a huge loser. And now I'm just kind of terrified to put another trade on. Which yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, that that's that, that shows you how, you know, periods of, of overconfidence are actually really I don't want to say dangerous, right? I mean, they, they certainly can be you know, because you can make decisions that you ought not to. But in a situation like this, it's dangerous because it gives you just sort of a false sense of your confidence. I, I The way that I kind of would liken it is like a cartoon character who kind of runs off a cliff and doesn't know it yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what happens for a lot of traders when they're in that state, when they're kind of running up their account, right? They, they sometimes don't realize that they're actually not at their sharpest, right? That they're making some small mistakes that just aren't getting punished yet. And so when the, that losing starts to happen, they're already kind of in a weakened state because because in terms of their execution, in terms of their decision making, they have it hasn't been great. It hasn't kind of mirrored the success of the account. So now you're trying to hold on to something that you're actually not really in a position to be able to effectively. 
So, you know, there's a tool I talk about in the, in the book called the, an A to C game analysis. You kind of alluded to this, you know, kind of chopping up of your A game, B game, C game. And this is a situation where having that tool in hand is really, really effective because all we're trying to do is, is really define and map out, you know, the details of your A game, B game, and C game. So you can, you know, basically evaluate your performance on a non-monetary way day to day. And, and, you know, what you will see very often is that there is not like kind of a game level execution in the run-up of an account like that. You're actually sometimes even in C game and you're just sort of expecting to keep printing and, and, you know, you're sizing up and it's, it's, it's freaking hitting and it's like, it's exciting and it's euphoric, but like your execution is poor. So the, the loss aversion at that point is actually really smart, right? Cause it's, it's a scent. It's a, it's kind of recognizing and, and sensing that you're off. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a very good point. And earlier you mentioned, you know, people, um, wake up, traders wake up and, you know, they go to this day to day and it's not like a regular job, but for someone who is maybe playing a C game or, or is on their B game at best and runs up an account, um, they might be like, Hey, I did it. I'm doing it right now. It's been three, four weeks of just consistency, good trading. And without digging further into that, they could be liable for a blow up, uh, which, you know, it's crazy to think about, but there are probably a lot of times where people are on their C game and maybe just kind of getting lucky with, you know, being a little bit disciplined or lucky with a couple of trades. And then all of a sudden it just falls apart. I, I've seen it more times than not, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's easy to kind of excuse, right? Because because yeah. you're getting that false feedback in the way that you want, right? So, I mean, it's hard to admit, right? But that person, right, has an investment in being diluted. They want to kind of fill out this, not not fulfill this fantasy, but they 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 want the they want the money to come easily, and it's it's not necessarily something that you would think logically, especially for somebody who's been in the, you know, for you know four or five years plus. Right, that you're after easy money. I mean, you've you've worked your butt off to get to this point, right? There's nothing. There was nothing easy about it, right? And yet, you know, a lot of times traders come into the industry just like poker players do, you know, looking at the shiny objects, you know, like the Lamborghinis and the beach houses and all the stuff that they see, you know, can be made in this game, and that it can happen. And so sometimes what happens is these these hidden biases, illusions, or flaws, they kind of hang around in the recesses of our mind, and they create this overconfidence right and they you know again it's not like what what you would define as being logical for you right now and that's kind of the point right that a lot of these emotional reactions whether it's greed or overconfidence as we're talking here you know it's not logical which makes it sort of hard to comprehend which makes your emotions feel like more irrational and stupid and more likely to just you know put away and you know try to avoid but when you start to realize that the emotions are actually just a signal of these underlying performance flaws or these illusions, or these biases, then they've not, they, then the emotions are not the problem, right? The emotions are just the signal telling you to look closely at what the heck is going on. And in this case, it could be that part of you wants to make money easily or expect yourself, you know, to make a certain amount of money in your career. And, and when that expectation or when that illusion starts to get fulfilled, overconfidence gets produced, right? Naturally, because, or, or a, a, an excessive level of confidence gets produced, however you want to think about it, because you're actually filling out, you know, that, that flawed belief or that, that illusion. And it's, it's not a common way of thinking, 
but it's the correct way of thinking because this is functionally how our system works. Yeah, that's that's actually very fascinating to touch on because you're right. You probably don't recognize what the actual flaw could even be at first. I mean, if I go out and I play an amazing round of golf, which for me is pretty terrible, but <laughs> um, if I do shoot a decent round, I know for a fact that I have not been hitting the driving range and putting a ton of work into it. I just like to have fun playing golf and I'm a competitor. So sometimes that comes out and I end up doing okay. But if I really looked at it, you have to take a hard look at yourself and say, okay, did I actually put in the work to get to this point? Or is this something where I am, like you said, fulfilling some sort of goal that I wanted to achieve and it feels great to do so, but I never took the time to actually sit back and say, am I doing this in a way that isn't going to get me in trouble and cause a blow up later on? And that's really tough. <laughs> yeah. And actually, Ronnie, the other part of this, which is this this illusion that you can kind of predict the future, right? Because like part of the overconfidence in this spot is that you're sort of expecting to continue to make money, right? Regardless in some ways of, of your execution. And so like as humans, we have a mechanism that's designed for predicting the future. I mean, it, it, as simple as just walking, right? And where this mechanism gets thrown off, simple way of recognizing it is, you know, when you're walking up or down stairs and you're not really paying attention and you predict that another step is there or that you're at the ground, you know, and, and you just, you know, misstep. Like it's almost like you're going to fall on your face, right? Uh, that That's an example of that predictive mechanism kind of get getting thrown off. So predicting the future is not a problem, but, but in this case, traders are often predicting positive outcomes in a way that feels more like kind of they're assured. It's like it's guaranteed. It's not an estimate, which mm -hmm. is how it ought to be, right? You're estimating what the probabilities are of your, you know, kind of future results. It's not that it's no, no, I'm going to, I'm like, it's a straight line, you know, it's driving the Lambo to the beach house, right? Or on the <laughs> flip side, you know, it's a straight line for me to be, you know, like on the streets bro broke again, right? And and this prediction of the future is a really common one for what what causes, um, you know, uh, confidence issues. And and it's a crazy thing to say because people who are lacking confidence and feeling like crap with their game with with trading or their game, right? A lot of times they would never say that they're being overconfident, and yet I would because a lot of times they they are certain that they know what is going to happen. Right, that they're going to lose this next trade, that they're going to, you know, have the drawdown continue, that they're going to end up on the street or whatever negative outcomes they think is going to happen. But that certainty is overconfident because they can't actually predict the future. They're not a freaking psychic. If they were, I mean, they would be using it a, a little bit more effectively. <laughs> I'll, I'll steal a line from my colleague here. If they if they were that confident in predicting the future, they'd be on a beach somewhere sipping a mai tai. So <laughs> exactly, they yeah. would have bought. They would have bought Dogecoin. Three yeah. years ago, right? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. So in that sort of vein, um, do you feel that trading kind of goes totally against our human nature? I mean, you've talked about it on other podcasts I've listened to, and obviously it, the book goes into it. But, you know, some a lot of these negative emotions and emotions at a high level can shut down our higher brain functioning. And trading, I mean, just like with anything that's ultra competitive, but Trading really brings out a lot of those emotions and biases to the forefront, even if you didn't know they were there. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where the opportunity lies. I think competition at the highest level and especially trading is like this 
um, can be purifying. And I don't mean that in this like kind of esoteric kind of way. I mean, like, you know, your weaknesses get drawn to the surface. If you have the ability to see them and correct them, then you, your emotions become pure. And what that does is it removes the bias that you're imprinting into the market every day. And you're able to actually see it more clearly, right? You can see the opportunities better. Your intuition starts to really ramp up and you can sense opportunities sooner than others. And your emotional reactions at that point become more indicative of the way that your style or strategy is interacting with that market condition or, you know, that particular symbol or, or, or market in general. So that, that's kind of what we're after. And, and so, no, I don't think that trading goes against our human nature. I, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, poker being the same thing or sometimes even golf. Um, I mean, if we're it, it, as humans, if we create it, then it's part of our nature. Right. And I think competition is a big part of our nature and the ability to improve our cell, our, our performance in highly competitive environments, you know, comes down to our ability to learn faster. Uh, and, you know, the less emotional interference you have in that process, right, the, the faster you learn and the more that you're able to kind of uh, absorb uh, you know, the, the accurate details of what's happening within the market so that your mind and system can operate, you know, at a higher level, no different than any competitive environment, right? I mean, you know, the, the Jordans of the world, the Tigers of the world, the Roger Federer's of the world, right? When they are at their best, their, their, you know, sensory system is really, really pure. They, they see what is happening and they are able to process it and react faster than anybody else, which is why they're able to you know, why they were able to succeed at the level they are. And, and, you know, the elite traders of the world do the exact same thing. So, so yeah, I think, I think the cool thing about trading is that for a lot of people who, you know, maybe have not had, you know, the chance to be competitive at the highest levels, you know, within maybe sports that they played earlier on, you know, get to do it. Right. And, and, you know, there are no barriers to entry, right. You can, all, all it takes is, you know, the capital and you can play in a PGA tour event, you can play in the NBA finals. I mean, that that's, that's kind of the equivalent of what you're doing, you know, almost day after day. And, and, you know, but to be successful in that place, right. You, you have to continually, uh, actually maybe say it differently. You have to be ruthless at identifying your weaknesses, you know, identifying your biases, your illusions, uh, wishes, these flaws and correct them. Cause that's what the best of the best do. Yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent way to put it. I mean, it's certainly been mentioned time and time again um, on this podcast, but you are stepping on to the NBA court. You're not going to the G League or, <laughs> you know, whatever else. You're playing right in the NBA along with everybody else, the Jordans of the world, who are going to stomp you if they get the chance. So <laughs> you got to sharpen up um, on all aspects, especially the mental game. Um, I don't have any other questions for you moment jared i know i stumped you you did you did <laughs> here's here's one that maybe we can end on and this is probably way too general but if you had one tip for the listeners to start right away as it relates to improving their c game and starting to inch forward what what would you say that is yeah i think it, it, it builds a little bit on what we talked about earlier of, of just kind of the beginnings of recognizing your pattern right recognizing you know, what's happening around the most common mistakes that you have. Um, and I'd say, you know, grab a notepad uh, when uh, when you're trading, uh, maybe every half hour, every hour, or when uh, those problems pop up, 
just write down, you know, kind of what's going through your mind. What, what specific thoughts that you have at that time? What's the situation? Uh, how did your decision-making process change? How did your perception of the market or your positions change? Write all that stuff down, right? That, that's just the beginning of it. When you start to look at it, some of, you know, some of the things may feel very illogical. I promise you that they're not, right? When, when you feel like something is illogical or irrational, it simply means that you don't have the understanding yet. You, you don't know why it's logical or rational yet. You're not crazy. <laughs> you know, you're, you're not like delusional or, or, you know, hallucinating. You are you know, not yet skilled enough, you know, with your emotions to recognize like kind of what's behind them. And so, you know, starting that process is, is as simple as that. And if you do that, then, you know, the, the way the book is designed is for you to kind of take that information and, and be able to kind of line it up uh, within, you know, the greed, fear, tilt, confidence, and discipline chapters to figure out what problems you're struggling, whether it's a fear of failure, a fear of losing, whether it's mistake tilt or re revenge trading, whether it's uh, perfectionism, uh, illusions of control, uh, you know, you name it, right? You just kind of line up those uh, those details that you found with the details that I've mapped with with lots of traders, and you'll start to find yourself in there. And and you know, the system is laid out for you to be able to work through and understand what's what's causing it. And you know, you you just sometimes you just have to get started, right? The the hill may feel pretty daunting, and you know, but but it's it's quite of quite a pragmatic, practical approach to getting better at this. And, you know, you said at the outset, it's a skill, right? Your ability to see and recognize patterns in the market where there's opportunity to, to, to profit, right? You know, didn't come out of nowhere. Think about where you were when you first started in, on, on that road, right? And where you are now. It's, it's crazy how much better you are able to kind of read the tea leaves, right? People think yeah. what you do is magic. People think that what I do sometimes is magic. And it's not. It's a skill. And for you to be able to kind of level up and and develop that skill is actually uh, not that hard. You just got to get started. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, a very big aspect. And I should mention, you know, you talk about it, like perfection is a moving target. So any one of these might pop up over the course, you know, instead of another. I mean, if you start to inch forward, you might find yourself maybe feeling a little bit overconfident and, you know, see what, what lies under that. Um, so Totally. It's definitely that variance that you talk about in the book too. You know, it's it's a moving target, and so as you start to inch yourself forward, improve your C game, which then improves your B and your A game, then you might see new things pop up, and it's very important to keep track of what's going through your head and, and write it down. Yeah, I agree more. Yeah, no, actually, and you nailed it. That's actually the most common thing that happens when when traders improve. You know, kind of fear and tilt. You know, as that kind of gets, you know, kind of they get kind of past that. <laughs> the thing that, that most, most often happens next is that they become overconfident and thinking that they've sort of solved <laughs> their mental game. Right. And now they're, you know, now they're kind of found it and, and are, you know, never going to struggle again, which is obviously a, an illusion. Right. Uh, absolutely. Well, awesome. Jared, thank you so much for joining me. Um, if there's anything else that you wanted to throw out there, feel free. Otherwise I'm, I'm going to put the link in the bio for the book too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, the only other thing I'd throw out there is that, um, you know, on my website, uh, jaredtenler.com, um, I put out a, a, a free intuition ebook, um, you know, especially for seasoned traders like, you know, you all are, um, you know, intuition is kind of a topic that I think is not always conceptualized and, and, you know, treated in a very pragmatic, practical way. And so it was a topic that I really wanted to include in the mental game of, uh, mental game of trading, 
but it just didn't really fit. And so, you know, I, I kind of took it and blew it out and turned it into something that, uh, you know, is, uh, is widely available now. So you can kind of go, go to the website and download it. Awesome. I'll put that in the description too. Jared, thanks again. It was a pleasure. Uh, I was really excited for this interview and it's been awesome having you on. Thanks, Ian. I appreciate it, man. Good All to right. talk to you. You too. Have a great one.